we're not going to like read the whole poem out, are we? We'll just say what it's called and then say you can go read it online if you want now. And then we, we can like read bits of them if we want to, but we're not going to just read a whole poem. Nah. Because people can just... Also, they're so easy to find anyway mm. on the internet, so... I've started recording, but just oh, okay. we just need to s- let me just do the get intro. The other Sometimes there's like nothing like just like a normal cup of tea yeah. with normal milk. I don't really have yeah. it very often. It feels really nice when you like. Sometimes I mean I normally have Earl Grey, but yeah, just a good old standard breakfast tea. Yeah. Especially if you're having a fry up or something. Mm. Like, I don't think Earl Grey goes with that kind of food. Especially if you're hungover. Mm-hmm. That is the best drink. Yeah. Okay. Welcome to Find the Lit. I'm Emily. And I'm Jess. It's been quite a while since we did our last episode. I don't think the last episode's even been released. Oh. <laughs> I can't even remember what book it was. Cold Comfort Farm, oh. I'm pretty sure we haven't put it out. You mean you haven't put, I it, haven't out, put it out? I've, I've finished editing it. I just, yeah, I haven't actually uploaded it. Okay. Well, our New Year's resolution for 2022 is to actually keep up to date with releasing our episodes, recording our episodes, because I know our fans have been bereft mm-hmm. yeah. all this time. Um this episode may be the worst one we've ever done (laughs) just to warn you at the beginning it's probably going to be a joke and an embarrassment um but at least it's something so i chose this one it is wh auden who's a poet um and we're we're going to talk about just a selection of his poems because he's written thousands and thousands and I have a brick of a collection here in my hands. So we'll be talking about some of his best poems um, as decided by the internet. And we're also going to talk about some... (coughs) Sorry. (laughs) Some random ones that we've just picked out from this collection just from random pages so if you haven't heard of him before he's probably I think he is probably one of the most famous poets ever he was born in England and he actually studied in Holt which is in Norfolk which studied is, in Holt yeah he was born is there in a York school in, like what? yeah Gresham school I think it's like a posh one. Oh. so yeah the connection to Norfolk the home of find the lit um Randomly, he then lived for a year in a Berlin slum after uni. Like you do. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to read his whole biography. What, like, what kind of, what year was like this? Oh, he was born in 1907. Okay. So, he's kind of an old granddad age. A very old granddad age. If he was still alive. When did he die? In 1973. Okay. So, how old was that then if he died in Not very old. 73 take away 7 60 67 7 no no 60 <laughs> 66 oh yeah that is young then really young. it doesn't say why he died how he died even um he's traveled a lot he has written plays 
he fought in the war. He actually moved to America and became an American citizen in 1946 and spent like half the time there, half the time in Europe. Um, and he died in Vienna. He got around quite a lot. Yeah, he he has. Yeah, he had a house in Austria. Um, don't really know what else to say about him. That's I think that's really, enough. Yeah, it doesn't say in this about the author if he was married or had any children, so I'm guessing he didn't. Um, so, moving there's no blurb! Oh my gosh, <laughs> Sorry. There's no blurb! Oh crap, yeah, we need to do our blurb. But I mean, all, blurb it would say, all it would say is like, yeah, I mean, here's there's no some amazing poems. blurb because it's poetry, so you can't really do a blurb, can you? really we'll just have to miss that also, segment out can't really talk about the front cover either <laughs> no it's just so play this this episode is going to be different anyway because we haven't actually read it in advance that this might be a bit dis- disjointed but we're going to yeah. like stop recording in between each poem to so read, we can it. read it so we're going to get our really instinctive initial reactions yeah. there in the moment which could be really exciting so I have to say though, like, I don't read poetry really, and I probably haven't talked about poetry since like GCSE yeah times. So like similes and rhyme, and I actually would say I'm someone who loves poetry, but I also don't read it very often. Although when I was in my phase of listening to Bookworm, which is like the best podcast about books after <clears throat> finding yeah. it, second obviously best. second best. Um, Whenever he talked to a poet, I just, I, a couple of times I bought the collections and read them. And I really liked that. That's so good. I really would love to get more into poetry. Yeah. We should, we should read more poetry, I think. Yeah. Because it's knowing where to start. Yeah. Because I feel like, yeah, when you're coming from the outside in, it's really difficult to know. I think contemporary poetry is maybe a bit easier as well. Because, like with Auden, I feel like half of his poems are references to other poems or Shakespeare or Greek myths, and I don't know any of that. Yeah, that's the um, trouble with poetry. You, you need to kind of know all of the allusions and references. In that, in like, that kind of poetry, yeah. yeah. Maybe we will, at some point, we'll do another poetry collection. We should, what we should, we should do um, Mary Oliver. Oh, yeah. We could, do that, we could do that book. Yeah, that's or we not could poetry, do, but yeah. yeah. Well, we'll, yeah, that's a good one. We'll do her at some point. Because we haven't done any essays in a while. I quite like like talking about essays. What about the book you've chosen for the next one? That's non-fiction, isn't it? What book? Are we doing that? Oh, which one? Are we doing that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we are doing it. Because I haven't got any other ideas. I totally forgot. (laughs) Okay. next. Shall we go for the first poem? Yeah. It doesn't actually have a title, so I think in poetry you just say the first line, and you, some of you may have heard this before, so the first line is stop all the clocks, cut off the telephone, otherwise known as the funeral poem, I think. Funeral blues. blues. Like, funeral yeah. blues. Well, I oh. read that when I, because I'm reading on my phone. Oh. Stop all the clocks, and it's, a, it's, fu- it's called funeral blues. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it is pretty blue. Um, oh, it first appeared in the 1936 play The Ascent of F6. What? He substantially rewrote the poem several years later as a cabaret song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
they was it was set to music by the composer <laughs> Benjamin Britten. Oh wow. I'd like to hear that. Well, there you go. Oh. Um, I first heard it as a lot of people did in the film Four Weddings and a Funeral and it made me cry. I think that's where I'd heard of him actually, because I think I Googled or looked up who wrote that poem. Yeah. So we're not we're not gonna read out the whole poem, but you can go look it up. Um Oh god, now we have to talk about it. I mean it's it's like it follows what you would probably call just quite a traditional um like meter and rhythm and it has rhymes and different stanzas. What do you call it when it's like that where it's like telephone bone drum, drum come uh, like rhyming rhyming couplets? couplets yeah. yeah. It's like that. It's just fully all right one sound well, yeah there's every single bit of it is rhyming couplets and there's nothing that deviates from that and i think that that is really effective because that very predictable rhythmic traditional um like rhythm and rhyme kind of gives it more like grandeur i think and makes it feel more somber mm. um and it's like that inevitability like you know there's going to be a rhyme coming you know the next line's going to have a rhyme it's like the inevitability of death yeah and it does in that film because we just watched the clip on youtube it is that kind of like rhythm really yeah like you said makes it really it's almost like you don't want it to keep rhyming because yeah it's just like the rhyming is just reinforcing the grief and like the the just fully ending of everything like there's nothing's going to surprise you it's not going to suddenly be like joking i'm alive like yeah. it's just dead um it's very i mean it's incredibly bleak as a poem yeah <laughs> i don't know I, if i'm just reading it on the surface no but like, it is it's really bleak i think it's clever because you normally think of rhyme as quite like silly and jolly jolly yeah and like light-hearted and this because it can be humorous yeah when you rhyme stuff i think this is like when I was reading it and listening to it, it's it's actually, I feel like it's sort of beautiful, but also really terrible. And it's kind of like the beauty of the language. He's all, it's like, he's like relishing in the imagery and the beauty of it to express his like grief and love for the person who's died. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost like, He's yeah. It's almost like he wants everyone to like know how how much his like world has ended to the point where yeah. he's like, it's it's like he's saying when someone dies for you and they're really important, it almost feels like the whole world should be recognizing it. And like yeah. when he says like the aeroplanes let aeroplanes circle, moaning overhead, scribbling on the sky, the message he is dead blah 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 that traffic policemen wear mm. black cotton gloves like obviously maybe that would happen if someone really famous died or something but yeah maybe that is also a kind of if someone really important to you dies you see the whole world as maybe in mourning or something like through that lens yeah, like no one should be no no one should be ignoring this terrible loss yeah like, everyone needs to acknowledge it everyone should mark it but I mean, no, but even if a famous person died, an aeroplane wouldn't write, he is dead in the yeah, sky. That's true. <laughs> but no, but I only just thought of it when you said that. Did they not do that when Prince Philip died? <laughs> he is dead. It's the only thing they didn't do. 
But it's kind of like that's interesting because, yeah, that's not like something you would say. You wouldn't write he is dead. You would put like R.I.P. or something. Yeah. So I feel like just the, the starkness of like the he is dead, like he doesn't want to he doesn't want to gloss over anything he wants he wants it to be punchy and horrible and mm. it's like he's trying to make himself believe it maybe and he wants all the sounds well and he wants time to stop as well obviously yeah. like the first thing he says is stop all the clocks cut off the telephone yeah stop the dog barking yeah. silence the pianos <clears throat> It is the the imagery is so beautiful. I yeah. love the I love the line, um, pack up the moon and dismantle the sun. Yeah, but that last stanza is so beautiful. Yeah. But why is it beautiful though? Because it's about something. Because it's so about sad. stars and the moon <laughs> and the sun and the ocean, and, <clears> that, <throat> and that they are like the the quintessential of the beauty of the world, and he has no use for them anymore. So yeah. sad. It is really devastating. Yeah. Also, that line, I thought that love would last forever. I was wrong. That is really bleak because, yeah. you know, even when there are sad kind of poems or whatever about death, usually, and usually stuff that would be read at a funeral would be about how love is infinite and everlasting and lasts forever. And even if that person is no longer around the love you shared or the love you have for them you know carries it carries on. on but that's just like no but I think that he's saying I was wrong it's not lasting forever but the fact that the poem contradicts that like the poem mm. proves that the love is still there because you couldn't say all these words without that love still being there yeah so it's like he's he's it's like he's trying I think he's like almost angry and he's trying to kind of He's trying to say that everything's gone, there's no hope, there's no use for mm. anything, but I feel like the fact that he's... The fact that he's putting across all these images, it's showing there's, like, a conflict. Um, That's true. But he's capturing maybe, like, a feeling that yeah. everyone feels when they grieve at some point, yeah. which is just, like, yeah, that anger and, like, utter just just loss. I love the last line as well as well well i'll have to read the line before it for the rhyme but it says pour away the ocean and sweep up the wood for nothing now can come (laughs) (laughs) for nothing for nothing now can ever come to any good it's a weird i mean it's an amazing line for nothing now can ever come to any good but it's quite weird because is that quite a colloquial phrase like oh you hear people say that, oh, it won't come to any good. It's like a warning or something. Um, yeah. But he's kind of using it in a different way, isn't he? He's he's saying, like, it's almost like even if there was a sunset or even if there are stars or a nice moon or anything, it's still pointless. It's still without yeah. meaning. He basically is saying the entire universe is pointless. It's, yeah. like, it's totally nihilistic. And it's just, like, losing that loved one just makes everything meaningless and you're just like why am i here why is the universe why does the universe even mm. exist sweep up the wood is a weird thing yeah because he's obviously said get rid of the stars get rid of the sun get rid of the ocean but he doesn't say like cut down the 
trees or cut down the woods. Well, that would sweep wouldn't up. <laughs> yeah, sweep. Yeah, true. But sweep up is also just like a kind of getting rid of mess. Like you sweep up the dust. Yeah. So the tr- the for him now, like the forests are just like dust on the floor that needs to just be put away, put in the rubbish. Oh God, it's yeah, it's it's probably just the saddest poem ever. <laughs> I think it probably is. I mean, I haven't read many poems, but. <laughs> It's probably the saddest one I've ever read. Was this actually written about someone? I guess I don't we don't know. really know. It was written in 1936. Who knows? There must be something online about maybe him telling it. Yeah, it's Do you really have anything sad. else to say about no, it? No, I'm just going to probably keep saying it's really sad over and over again. <laughs> God. It's not a good poem to read when you're a little bit hungover and... <laughs> Hormonal. <laughs> anyway, we, um, read a moving on. One? <laughs> okay. The next poem is called Autumn Song from March 1936. We discovered there's two versions, but we're going with the one that's in the book mm-hmm. because books are better than the internet. Um, so it's another one with some rhyming couplets. It's a little bit less obvious I think than the one before there's some strange images that I don't really understand I get quite a, when I'm reading it I get a bit of a sense of like anxiety and I don't know why mm. I don't really understand Night, it. nightmarish there's a really horrible image of almost like zombies yeah and like where it says whispering neighbours left and right dawned us from our true delight Able hands are forced to freeze, derelict on lonely knees. That's creepy, isn't it? You just imagine someone freezing to death or something. Yeah, and then the next bit. Close behind us on our track, dead in hundreds, cry alack, arms raised stiffly to reprove. Yeah, that's what I thought, but it's meant to rhyme with love. Well, is it just? (laughs) In false attitudes of love. I don't think it is meant to rhyme, unless it is reprove. Because every other couplet rhymes what does that mean then I don't know close behind us on our track dead in hundreds cry alack 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 what's that mean with a capital A yeah (laughs) does alack mean alack what does alack mean I don't know I've said the word too much now I thought well a lack like a lack of but but uh, it's like written like it's a name yeah (laughs) like Hmm. I mean, it's, yeah, for me, it's just loads of horrible images, but I don't really know. It is almost like a bit, like, a horror or something, yeah. with the, like, nurses to their graves are gone, but the prams go rolling on. Anything yeah. about prams is, Prams like... is, cr- I'm imagining, like, a Victorian pram as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, Roll- Like, rolling down a hill with a baby in it. Past some gravestones, yeah. and then with, like, hundreds of zombies with yeah. their arms up, like, crying a lack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it is like a nightmare I feel like he wasn't a very happy person not at this like, point yeah, Owl and Nightingale are dumb well yeah I mean it's got to be I mean it's three years before the start of the second world war yeah so there's got to be something going on there with the whole tent of what was happening and there was already violence that, it did remind me of the war when it says whispering neighbours left and right because I kind of thought of how, you know, people 
were turning on their neighbours and don't I was going to say dobbing them into the Nazis but that, <laughs> you, you know what I mean like people couldn't trust each other anymore and people who've been friends forever suddenly like you know because one was Jewish so was, that where was would it. he have been then would he have been in a Berlin slum at this point when he was writing this um, in, the, in 36 he went to Berlin well if he was oh, he, he went to Berlin after he was in Oxford so he was born in 1907 so that means say he went to uni in about 1925 when he was 18 he was there for a couple of years 1927 and then he went to Berlin no he mm. wasn't in Berlin that was like a 10 years before oh wait hang on it says in the later 30s he worked as a freelance writer and published travel books on Iceland and the Sino-Japanese war in 1939 he left England niche. for the US yeah I know so it isn't actually, I think he, he wasn't living in Germany, but... Okay. Well, it's very pessimistic, whatever. Yeah. And the last stanza, clear, unscalable, ahead, rise the mountains of instead. From whose cold cascading streams none may drink except in dreams. So it's like there's these mountains, but you can't climb them. You can't, like, drink the water... And they're called instead. So almost like there's another possibility that's better, but we can't get to it. Yeah, everything's gone too far. It's too late. We're all the world is going to shit. It's quite relevant for today, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's like this foreboding, and it's called autumn song, which makes it sound like it'd be yeah. really pleasant. I thought now the leaves are falling fast. Yeah, autumn, though, is when everything's dying. True. Yeah, but then maybe there is hope then, because from the autumn, you know, like, the spring comes. You've got the winter first, though. Yeah, true. Who's the nurse? Nurses' flowers will not last. Nurses to their graves are gone. Well, like, it's... I think because of the mention of prams, it's like the old-fashioned nurse. Oh, right, yeah. The the nanny, baby nurse, yeah. yeah. So this, the person that's meant to look after the young and innocent, they're all gone. Oh, shit. But the prams oh. go rolling on. Down the hill to crash. Oh, God. Able hands are forced to freeze, derelict on lonely knees. It's just like... Yeah, is it just like people just being left? And it's able hands, so like they could do something, yeah. but they're forced... Not to, to because they because they they're trapped or something. So it's almost like we're totally or they're totally um, held back from achieving anything. Good. It's really strange, like trolls. Yeah. Trolls run scolding for their food. Scolding who? I was thinking like scolding hot. <laughs> that's that's S C A, isn't it? Oh. Scolding like telling really? off. Oh wait, telling off again, like reproach. Yeah. Or re- however you say it. Don't really have anything else to say about this one. It's just creepy, isn't it? It's just creepy and depressing. Yeah. And the angel will not come. It's the the website that I'm on says it's a lyric about the brevity of youth and life's disappointments. What does brevity mean? Like um, briefness. 
it's not worth it, but you know what I mean. (laughs) How quick it is. As well as engaging with the events and political climate of the 30s, he also captured a timeless sense of disappointment and sadness. Yeah, that's pretty much what we said. Yeah. That's interesting, though, about the youth thing. And that's made me think it is sort of like growing up, isn't it? Because when you're young, you are kind of really hopeful and you yeah. think everything's going to work out and you think, oh, when I'm an adult, it's all going to be easy and I'll know what I'm doing. And then you become an adult and you're like, ugh. And there is that mm. sense of kind of like the past or like past generations are haunting or somehow restricting. And it's like the close behind us on our track, dead in hundreds. It's, it's like you, you're being kind of haunted by the past. And yeah. By the dead. And this would have been after the First World War, right? So Yeah. Yeah, the horrors of that. It's weird, isn't it, how po- with poetry you can sort of... You don't understand it, but you still feel something. Yeah. That you was... still have a more guttural emotional yeah. reaction to it. At least we do. Well, it's interesting, though, because, like, I think maybe that's why I haven't liked poetry in the past, is I don't really, I haven't really been very in tune with that. Or maybe I haven't really trusted my reaction to things. Yeah, because you love understanding every meaning of every word. Yeah, and that's the case with everything. I like analysing everything and understanding it, like, theoretically, intellectually. This is definitely more of an instinctive thing. Yeah. You can obviously do all the other stuff as well, but I think you have to just accept that the first time you read a poem it's just like the impact of it or, or not impact of it if it's uh, not yeah good. and I feel like inherently like poetry is emotional you can't really have non-emotional poetry can you I don't know I, I mean I'm sure someone would say you could but yeah. to the average person but I just yeah. feel like that's the point of imagery or metaphorical mm. language figurative language yeah. I don't know if I read a poem and was left completely emotionally unmoved, I'd be like... Not a good poem. <laughs> yeah, or I'm not getting it, or I don't know, something should have happened, yeah. but it hasn't. I think there are some poets, especially in modernism, who it wasn't necessarily about that, because they... I, th- I think there's there's emotion in there, but some of it's you've got to really dig into it oh. to un- to understand... So then, the, so then the only point of putting it in poetry is to make it kind of a bit more elusive, like, like the you, meaning. Yeah, I think you can I think you can say, I mean, I feel like this is the, the whole debate of the whole universe, so we're not going to be able to answer it, but I think you can... <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> for the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> I, think, I think it's just about, like, there's something about putting words together in a in a certain way that's it says more than the they're more than the sum of their parts yeah aren't they? yeah and i think there's a whole argument i suppose about what makes something a poem and what and actually doesn't. that's true because maybe it isn't always about emotion because figurative language might catch capture some kind of ambiguity that you otherwise can't capture in language because it's beyond language yeah and that's not like you will feel sad or you will feel happy. It's yeah. just there's that thing that you can't put your finger on. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. But that is interesting. What makes it? What makes a poem a poem as opposed to? Because it's definitely not rhyme or all that stuff. Because obviously, you know, modernism and postmodernism and everything just threw it all out the water. But mm. you can still see that it's a poem. Yeah, I don't think we're going to solve that no. one. <laughs> 
sorry. <laughs> right, the next song is called Lullaby. Or maybe this will be nicer. Next poem, even. It's probably going to be dark as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be the kind of thing you'd read your kids or something. I'll just pause it while we read it. I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't. Are all of them just about death? <laughs> Maybe. It really feels like there's a vibe yeah. to all of these poems that's kind of the same. This is nine, January 1937, so... They're getting harder. Years of, yeah, I don't understand it. <laughs> so something about youth again and, like, mortality... And that stuff passes. But, yeah, is it about... The first stanza is about him saying that he loves this person even though they're mortal and guilty. Yeah, mortal or guilty, but to me, the entirely beautiful. And soul and body have no bounds to lovers. Is it something about how love... It's something about love. <laughs> something about love. <laughs> My All hot take. you need is love. <laughs> this is going to be the worst episode. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Soul and body have no bounds to lovers as they lie upon her tolerant enchanted slope. It's another mountain. That is it something about... Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> I'm really I like struggling. The, like, the hermit's carnal ecstasy. Yeah, it's something about it's just something about the comparison of like he, the sort of heavenly immortal stuff and then the earthly mortal. Yeah, it's about like relates. the transcendence of love and stuff compared to yeah, the more kind of mundane, carnal, sinful. And it's like even whilst all the stupid stuff is going on in the world like fashionable madmen raise their pedantic boring cry all this stuff is happening time's passing but they're not going to miss a moment together so it says not a whisper not a thought not a kiss nor look be lost so they've they've only got eyes for each other oh so this could be actually quite nice yeah then. maybe it's a nice one beauty midnight vision dies let the winds of dawn that blow softly round your dreaming head such a day of welcome show find the find the mortal world enough noons of dryness find you fed by the involuntary power i'm just reading it <laughs> i'm reading it and waiting for some kind of insight to hit me but it's not happening such a day of welcome i knocking heart my bliss find our mortal world enough Noons of dryness find you fed by the involuntary powers. Nights of insult let you pass, watched by every human love. I feel like the person he loves is just lying on his lap and he's just writing this poem or something. I don't understand it. I'm going to look up what it says. Yeah. <laughs> we need we some tried. Oh, it says it's one of his most tender poems. It's perhaps the greatest gay... I did wonder if it was gay. It's perhaps the greatest gay love poem of the 20th century. Ah. It's amongst one of his... It's amongst his best love poems. In many ways, hopelessly romantic. In other ways, relentlessly realistic. Or realist. 
Yeah, so that is yeah. what we got. The addressee of the poem is only human and Auden himself is face- faithless. Faithless. Faith- yeah, it does say that at the beginning. Yeah, on your faith, on my it faithless is, so arm. So it is like a love poem, but he's he's aware that they're only human. He's probably very flawed. So it isn't actually pessimistic. No. Because I was reading it like he was saying that that stuff doesn't exist. But he's not saying that. Like love and universal love. Supernatural sympathy, universal love and hope. Yeah, and he's saying that even though we are mortal, we have a body, it doesn't matter, it has no bounds to lovers if they're lying together. Mm. Yeah, that's nice. What's all the stuff about the madmen, though? Yeah. Certainty, fidelity. What does that mean again? Fidelity means, like, being faithful to someone, okay. doesn't it? Like, oh, yeah. not Infid- cheating yeah. on them. So, certainty, fidelity, on the stroke of midnight pass. So, like, like, they end. Yeah, but pass like vibrations of a bell. Yeah, so he's saying, like, they're... They, they don't actually exist, like certainty or fidelity. You just feel them in the moment. Or, and then they or, pass, or they fade away. No, but it's just an interesting use of like the way he's put the words on the page. Because, yeah, if you say that, pass, but then it, the sentence is on the stroke of midnight pass like vibrations of a bell. So they're still there, they're happening, maybe. I don't know. And fashionable madmen raise their pedantic boring cry I feel like that's just him being very scorning of just like other people mm. every farthing of the cost all the dreaded cards foretell shall be paid so, so I think I feel like is, he's yeah I feel like he's saying right now everything's amazing and seems like beautiful and, and lovely but like it's gonna pass away our future or like the yeah. reality of the world means this can't exist like it's something too pure and too precious to actually exist in the world but on this night it's lovely yeah yeah because we're gonna pay the cost for this at some point every farthing of the cost and whatever happened what the future's already written because it's been foretold by the dreaded cards and that will t- that will happen but on this night not a whisper not a thought not a kiss nor look be lost yeah so it's kind of still a little bit dodgy <laughs> classic Auden <laughs> yeah oh Auden even like his most loving moments he's still aware that it's basically like ephemeral yeah which is true though I guess yeah yeah, because also if it is like now it's two years before the Second World War, maybe it's just like, well, we we need to appreciate this moment because this could be all gone. That is a creepy line where it says all the dreaded cards foretell. It's always yeah. creepy reading stuff before Second World War, isn't yeah. it, in the run up to it? Yeah. Okay, I like it now, now we've talked about it. Yeah, that does happen with poetry. Okay, should we do the next one? Mm-hmm. Night Mail, it's called. Is it recording? Yeah. <clears throat> well, we've just read Night Mail and feels quite different to the other ones. Feels really different. Yeah. For once, it's not about, well, it is about love and death, but through the eyes of a train. <laughs> it's a bit more jolly. Yeah, and I feel I feel like it's quite straightforward, <laughs> yeah. but I might be wrong. I don't know. No, I think it is. 
but my initial my just immediate thought is just this is a world that just no longer exists yeah when was this one written 1935 just can you imagine all of the like just every bit of news and everything that's happening in your life and in the rest of the world and just having to wait for it to arrive by the postman delivering Mm. it just cannot imagine it no so it's about a train bringing all the mail into like glasgow yeah or scotland just in general just the overnight mail train it's it feels it feels like a really affectionate poem like he's written it to pay homage to the train yeah it doesn't feel it doesn't have the same kind of darkness of the other poems we've read and I, i feel like there's not the same i mean it is i guess it still is a little bit philosophical i mean the ending is it doesn't really rhyme and it's a bit jarring But shall wake soon and hope for letters, and none will hear the postman's knock without a quickening of the heart, for who can bear to feel himself forgotten? Slight kind of like Auden type of ambiguity. Yeah. But in general, it's just kind of like a fun description. It's just kind of just a description of all the different kinds of letters you get. Yeah. Like (laughs) letters of thanks, letters from banks. It is like, yeah, it's all the mundane stuff that just makes a modern empire essentially run. Mm. Like receipts and banks statements. And then it's also like life-changing things like, yeah, love letters and up- updates from family. The chatty, the catty, the boring, the adoring, the cold and official and the hearts outpouring. It's like he's doing like both a celebration of words and language itself like it feels like he's having fun with it but also it's admiration of the kind of whole system of getting it there mm, <laughs> getting it yeah. out there feels like it's one of those type of things where maybe like royal mail paid him to <laughs> write well, it so i just saw this it says right above that simple trick to remove earwax which i was like oh that looks rank um, what have you been googling? <laughs> Honestly, nothing about earwax. Um, it says this poem was written for the acclaimed 1936 documentary Nightmare, and was accompanied with music by young Benjamin Britten again. Oh, so maybe that documentary was yeah. about how the post, the post yeah. gets around by yeah. night, by night during yeah. the night. We should watch it. It's quite. It feels quite um, patriotic as well. It's like letters for the rich, letters for the poor, but it's all just about like we're all just one big nation getting our post. Yeah. It, like, did he live in Scotland ever? I wonder why it's in like it's in yeah. Scotland. Oh, probably that. because maybe that was what the documentary was about. It going across the country, yeah. It gives me that sense sometimes, like you know, when you just think, especially living in a city, I feel this quite a lot, like. I just sometimes get caught up in just imagining how many different lives there are, like, going on in the same place, like, next to each other, and it's kind of mind-boggling sometimes. Yeah. It kind of gives me that sense of just, like... He's trying to, yeah, he's trying to, like, encapsulate that that feeling, maybe. Yeah, because he says, 
thousands are still asleep dreaming of terrifying monsters or of friendly tea beside the band in Cranston's or Crawford's. The profound and the mundane. Yeah. Asleep in work in Glasgow, asleep in Wellset, Edinburgh. I feel like it's also, he's, he, there's a lot of descriptions of the natural environment that the train passes through and the animals and it feels like it's putting the train in the position of it's just part of it's part of nature it's just part of what happens as as like as reliable as the sun coming up every day yeah because it says um actually okay. it's just describing it going through and the animals kind of just look up and go oh there it is but then you have the like con contrast of when she's going down into Glasgow towards the steam tugs yelping down a glade of cranes but even use of glade of cranes like a glade, yeah. a glade would be of trees but the cranes yeah. are like the trees in the big industrial yeah, city towards the fields of apparatus oh, yeah. and then the furnace is set on the dark plain like that would also be a natural landscape yeah. a plain because I suppose Ed uh, yeah Glasgow is like really industrial There is an interesting use of like non-rhyme in that one because it says, yeah, so set on the dark plain like gigantic chessmen. All Scotland waits for her in dark glens beside pale green locks, men long for news. It doesn't rhyme and it feels a bit more sombre and the fact that he's personified it as female. A train is female, all Scotland waits for her and men long for news. Feels quite sort of like the train as like a feminine thing it like brings them comfort and connection and mm. love or family and it's just these sort of lonely men <laughs> waiting for something yeah and feeling forgotten if she hasn't bought anything yeah. for them maybe it's remind me it kind of is harking back a little bit to like first the first world war and men in the trenches just I waiting thought for that letters. yeah like the waiting for news. Yeah. Oh, oh shh. Oops. Picked on something else. The earwax. I don't know. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. It's very... I'm glad we read something that's quite different from the last lot. Should we do one more? I think one more would be about right. Because we've got 46. It. Okay. Do you want to explain what we did? What we did. Yeah. So this is the final... <laughs> maybe don't eat pistachios while we're recording <laughs> this, is the, um, this is the last poem we're going to talk about and we decided to choose one from the top list that was a, at a later date so this one was written in 1940 so it is during the second world war and it's called if I could tell you so I feel like we know Auden really well now. It's just like, oh, yeah, same old Auden. It's about love it's about and... Oh, classic. Time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't... I don't feel blown away by it. I don't feel as strong as I did the first kind of couple. I th what the, my immediate impression is that he's basically saying, like, like, if I knew... 
Is he saying if I knew the future, I would tell you it? Yeah, and I think maybe our ambiguity of like our reaction is what the poem is trying to convey because it seems like it's just a whole poem about uncertainty and we just don't know what's going to happen. We <laughs> don't, and it's it's bigger than that as well because it's almost about meaning as well or like why things happen the way they do because he yeah. says the winds must come from somewhere when they blow there must be reasons why the leaves decay time will say nothing but i told you so but that's weird yeah. because that implies that time is has been because when you say i told you so that means you've been telling someone something's going to happen for ages and then it happens and then you're like oh i told you so I told you that was going to happen yeah but also it's like t- time time is always there and never stops so the fact that the leaves decay and the wind blows time is proving that it exists time doesn't say anything but i told you so like obviously that was going to happen because time passes and it always yeah but so does that mean it's circular then and i was thinking if it is in the Mm. war maybe he's maybe it is that thing of like oh here we go again yeah it could be or also but also just the forward march of time yeah it's not circular is it it's just like constantly things becoming the past and not being not coming again yeah and he's saying that we don't understand things like or or we can't understand the significance or it reminds me actually of a like some zen story Mm -hmm. about how we never know whether something's good or bad in the moment because time could prove that that thing was actually good and like the story is something like this horse arrives in this village and they're like oh you're so lucky you've got a horse and the old man says maybe and then his son gets on the horse and falls off the horse and breaks his leg and they're like oh no it's so unlucky that your son's broken his leg and he says maybe and then they come round and enlist all of the young men from the village to go to war, but his son doesn't have to go because he broke his leg. And they're like, oh, you're so lucky your son doesn't have to go to war. And then the man's like, maybe. And then what happens? And then I think it <laughs> ends. But like, on. That's such a good poem. But it's the point is like, Story. we never know if yeah. something's good or bad in the yeah. moment. And that reminds me of that when it says, if we should weep when clowns put on their show, if we should stumble when musicians play. It's like, even if we see a clown and it's really jolly and funny maybe it should we should be weeping and maybe time will oh, i don't know time no, will I know prove what you're saying yeah time will say nothing but i told you so because actually yeah it depends on the context of what's happening in that moment what happened before and what happens yeah. after cuz clowns are meant to be funny but in the context of world war 2 maybe that the very thing of being a clown would make you feel sad Yeah, and also it reminds me of the conversation we had last night about comedy and how something like Little Britain was funny before and now it's not funny. We should have actually been weeping Mm. at it rather than laughing at it. If we should stumble when musicians play, time will say nothing but I told you so. Like, everyone was questioning art and culture in the second world war because of the because of the the lack of humanity so 
I just have this image of like an orchestra playing this like beautiful music or something and people like running around the orchestra like trying to escape or people falling over each other and just like some mm. kind of madness happening. Yeah. I think it's kind of saying like that as humans we just we just can't understand the bigger picture like we can never understand yeah there are no fortunes to be told although because i love you more than i can say if i could tell you i would let you know it's like he loves some you love somebody and you want to say everything's going to be fine and i know what's going to happen it's going to work out okay but you really can't say that yeah Perhaps the roses really want to grow. The vision seriously intends to stay. If I could tell you, I would let you know. Again, he just, he's saying I, I really, that's weird though, because roses, like roses don't need to want to grow or not. They just do. But maybe even because of, because of the horrors of what's going on, maybe it feels like nothing is certain. And even the, the idea of like flowers coming into bloom again, you feel like how could that, possibly happen or is that even going to happen it's like the ground is gone we don't know anything anymore so we never thought that something like this could happen but it is happening yeah and the leaves decay is kind of the opposite of the rose growing what does the last bit mean suppose all the lions get up and go and all the brooks so like a brook like a oh, river, like a river brook, yeah and all the brooks and oh, soldiers goodness. run away will time say nothing but i told you so that's weird because all the whole way through he's saying time will say nothing but i told you so time will say it and then right at the end he says will time say nothing but i told you so is that last bit about the war suppose all the lions get up and go and all the brooks and soldiers run away. Will time say nothing but I told you yeah, so? Yeah, I think it is about the war. Um, I think it's... I think it means... By the lions, does he mean, like... Like, the allies? Like, the... Is that what he means? I don't know. Yeah, I think I feel like lions must be a metaphor as well. Yeah. But lions, like, fighting. I don't know. But I think I think it is just, like, saying... Even if to tomorrow everyone just goes away and stops fighting and stops killing each other, will time say nothing but I told you so? Like, there's not even going to be an answer, an explanation. It's just, is it is it all, all that's going to happen is that time's going to go, told you so. So even if something stops, then you still don't get an answer? Apart it's kind of like quite, is it quite fatalistic in a way? Not like everything's... Well, kind of like everything's predetermined, sort of. Or the opposite, that nothing is, so we don't know. Oh, yeah. I think it's oh. fatalistic in that he's saying, we can't predict anything, we don't know anything, even if we try and make meaning. And, oh, sorry. And all the things that we think... All the things that we think are certain. I think it's basically saying all the things that we thought were certain and all the things we think are certain, even they aren't certain. We don't even know if the roses are going to grow again. I feel like that's very much of the Second World War. Like, yeah, you had like, ger like you had like German culture before the First World War was, you know, 
in a way like this the center of like art and culture was in Germany and it was quite like a liberal forward-thinking society in some ways before the first world war yeah it was and, like the golden age yeah and yeah. there was so much like money and creativity and people would just and now it and it's like come to this maybe he's saying like we thought that just because we had culture whatever culture is that we wouldn't resort we wouldn't end up with this barbaric situation but we have yeah. so we don't know anything we don't know anything but I, I don't know whether he it, I can't decide whether it's really nihilistic and he's saying we don't know anything because there's no plan to anything and everything's just random and time just keeps marching on or whether he's saying something like there's a bigger plan that we can't know about because we're human because we're only human and he's saying if I could tell yeah. you I'd let you know but I don't only time knows I don't think it's I don't think it's nihilistic I think it's like um what's the what's the the other thing that Sartre and existential I think it's maybe existentialist because they said like there's no meaning and no pattern but, but we then, make our own but then he's not saying that but then it seems almost kind of um oh god I'm struggling to find the right word almost like he's just throwing his hands up in the air and being like, we can't do anything as humans. Like, there's a sense of just being mm. powerless. Yeah, I because think he's he saying, feels overwhelmed and powerless. Yeah, he's saying even if, or like he's saying all the lions get up and go, all the sold brooks and soldiers run away. Will time say nothing, but I told you so. And time's got a capital T there, whereas in the other lines it didn't. I so, think he's questioning how much control humans have or how... I think, he, and, and it's a question, because he's saying, will time say nothing but I told you so? So even if we try and exert our kind of influence over things, will time still turn around and be like, ah, oh, you yeah. don't really know what you're doing still. You're like, even if you like want meaning and you want understanding, you might just not get it. Yeah. But is it also like, I feel like, because it's, it's written to someone he loves obviously because it says i would i love you more than i could say i'd tell you if i could i feel like it, it it's almost quite tender as well it's not like a really it's not like a he's just saying he is speaking to somebody he loves mm -hmm. which i feel like it gives it this feeling of like tenderness in that maybe he's trying to comfort someone but also not lie like he's trying to say like i know it's horrible but we just don't know and we just have to stay alive maybe yeah. And the fact that we're still thinking about roses maybe growing is maybe a sign of hope. Yeah, it's not totally just pessimistic, is it? No. And it's very repetitive, like the whole, if I could tell you, I would let you know. Actually, that's that's repeated four times. If I could tell you, I would let you know. It's repeated four times. And obviously the repetition of time will say nothing, but I told you so. That's repeated. It feels very, it feels like an incantation, like a chant, like he's trying yeah. to 
it's I feel like he's trying to comfort himself by just the whole like we we aren't in control but we just and we don't know what's going to happen but we just have to keep going anyway Mm. also it's like he's trying to convince himself of that and like repeat it to himself to make himself accept it yeah oh I don't know like I'm really it's like sand going through my fingers it's like I'm really like I do I think everything we've just said is right but then I'm kind of just like looking at the time will say nothing but I told you so like that makes me feel like it is a, a circular thing of like because because hearing I told you so it just reminds me of someone being like oh I told you so yeah. I told you that would happen almost like he's almost saying if we paid more attention if we paid more attention we might know we might understand the world better and we might be able to break yeah. the cycle it is a thing. little bit like this it is a little bit blame there is blame yeah. almost and it's accountability saying, like, and that's why I think it's about the war because it's saying oh we're here again we're back here again like if we had paid more attention to why to the first world war and if we paid more attention we yeah. might be able to change it because time is saying oh i told you so yeah but be- you didn't listen because it is like the fact yeah maybe he's like we had the first world war we said that there would never be another war like yeah. this sort of thing and actually i'm thinking back to the clowns and the musicians it feels like so if we should weep when clowns put on their show if we should stumble when musicians play time will say nothing but i told you so it's like we've all just been sitting here watching clowns and listening to music and try and you know not facing not facing the the like difficulties of the mm. situation like trying to distract ourselves just trying to live kind of flippantly you know laughing at clowns but now we're lo- now we're crying at the clowns because now we're in this situation and yeah. times like I told you so you were just busy watching clowns yeah 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 instead of you know dealing with stuff but then there's a, I think he's saying that but then there's a doubt there's still a doubt there because he's saying suppose all the lions get up and go and all the brooks and soldiers run away so he's saying like even if we kind of there still might not be an answer as to why this happened yeah i mean you can imagine like he's just wishing for it to be over and everyone just get up and go home or everything be fine but even if that happened like tomorrow you still wouldn't understand why it happened and you still wouldn't be absolved of like any of the part that you played in it so time is still saying i told you so yeah i'm gonna look at what the internet says oh yeah we tried we did our best and now we're <laughs> looking it up um it's almost like we're doing riddles and then looking know, up the answers. <laughs> it's it says it's a french verse form called a villanelle um don't know why that's it's just talking about the structure, the repetition, and the two refrains of a time will say nothing but I told you so, and if I could tell you, I would let you know. Lots of poets used it. Um, 
It says, Auden, disliked free verse, and the whiff of elitism we find in much modernist poetry. A villanelle is just about as far removed from free verse as a poem can get, because it's a strict form, always comprising 19 lines and using rhyme throughout. That's well, he, interesting. Did, he didn't like free verse because he yeah. thought it was too elitist. Yeah, but that's interesting that he's chosen this really specific, like, old form of poetry because that's almost conflicting with the whole content of it of the ambiguity and the don't know whereas the mm. actual style that he's writing in is very dictated it's very defined uniform yeah and, yeah you you know exactly what's going to happen because you're following a structure but it's a structure that humans have created yeah tell us what it means it's just talking He's basically just saying that, unlike um, T.S. Eliot, he doesn't want to use like references to myth and stuff that people wouldn't understand. But yeah, I, I appreciate yeah, that. But it doesn't mean that it's an easy or straightforward poem. The very title says as much, if I could tell you. Um, he wants to communicate in a direct, clear and accessible way, but he can't. Something eludes even his understanding or comprehension mm. so it's like he, yeah he is trying to make it as simple as possible but it's still like that elusive feeling he wrote it in late 1940 the mood in Europe was bleak and the future looked uncertain oh he was living in New York at the time he felt as though civilization itself was under threat mm. the, the two refrains like the two repetitions appear to alternate between certainty time will say nothing but I told you so and uncertainty if I could tell you I would let you know mm -hmm. but what is so masterly about his use of these two refrains is how both actually pull in opposite directions poised somewhere between knowability and conjecture if I could tell is the first half of the line but the second I would let you know promises the surety of personal guarantee in an uncertain time similarly time will say but what it will say is just a smug, all-knowing, I told you so, which doesn't help to explain much. Yeah, anyone can be wise after the fact. An old father time is in a better position than most. Yeah, it's kind of like, well, anyone could say I told you so once something's happened because it's happened, yeah. but it doesn't... In it hindsight. Doesn't, it doesn't shed any light on why it happened or what it means. just says it's on a seesaw between clarity and ambiguity. Yeah, but that's boring. Like, the stuff we said was more interesting yeah. than that. We know like, that. We know, yeah, that's quite obvious. This uneasy combination is even there in the unusual word combination. Both brooks and soldiers can be said to run away. Oh, yeah, like a river runs. Yeah. Combining the contemporary reference to soldiers with the more feminine and traditionally poetic brooks offers a microcosm of what is going on in the poem at macro level. So like the traditional sort of feminine rhyming and mm. style with the uncertainty of the language. It just Brooke says running it, away sounds like a more contemporary reference to like um, climate change. Yeah. <laughs> like the river just running away, like Gone. all of it just yeah. Yeah, draining away. It says it's a deeply paradoxical poem, a poem at once about being certain of nothing except that the speaker would tell us the truth if he had the answers in a time of uncertainty except that we can be certain that there must be reasons why things happen even though we don't know what they are so yeah, yeah it's, okay. it's we kind of did understand it in that it's ambiguous and that 
yeah, he's he, all he's certain of is that everything's uncertain. Yeah. And he doesn't know anything, but if he did, he would tell us. Thanks, Auden. Thanks, mate. Appreciate that. I feel like it, yeah. I feel that, like the more I think about this one, the more I like it. No, same. Because you kind yeah. of keep wanting, you want to keep reading it, like to like like a riddle. Like, I feel yeah. like we want to keep unlocking the answer, and the whole point is that it's not giving us a, a definite answer. Yeah. And I feel like that is something poetry is very... Like, that's kind of what we said earlier. Like, poetry is a good way of um, representing ambiguities. Whereas just saying in a sentence, like, we don't know, (laughs) doesn't have the same impact. I liked it. I liked it too. I really like that he is not elitist. And that he wanted it to be... I mean, I know it's still hard to understand, but at least he tries to make it accessible. You know, like, not doing all of that referencing stuff and alluding to other poets or the Bible or myths or that kind of thing. The Bible is the worst one. I know know Mm. nothing about anything in the Bible, so whenever something's referenced, I'm like, oh really yeah. need to understand the bible but i mean i think there's probably a massive debate about whether t.s Eliot was elitist and all of that stuff you know like if you reference a greek myth is it elitist and I, so i think there is yeah. i think it, i don't necessarily think it's elitist or or it's that simple but ultimately i don't know any of those things so i may not grasp more meaning in his poems because i don't know any of those yeah i could go look them up i suppose I feel like there's probably a lot of contextual stuff about like poets and you know newer ones wanting to reject the older ones in some way mm. and, and maybe that's why T.S. Eliot's poetry is so different because I'm assuming he's younger than this guy I think is he or is he a contemporary wait who's younger T.S. Eliot what younger than that guy Auden? yeah I don't know, I had in my head that it was the other way around. Oh. Because I thought when you read that thing out that Auden was kind of rejecting... Yeah, you're probably right, actually. The Wasteland was written in 1922. So, yeah, this. So yeah, Auden must be younger because he was only yeah. born in 1907, so he would have been, like, a teenager. Yeah, so he's rejecting that sort of elitism. Yeah. Of T.S. Eliot. Yeah, oh yeah, he was born in 1888. So he was like 30 years older. Yeah. Than this guy. I mean, he's written a lot of poems, and we've read five of them. So... Are you going to work your way through the rest of that? I mean... Brick. I... That looks like a play. Yeah, I think he did write plays as well. Oh, God. I, I need to return it to the library or renew it because it's about four months overdue, so I don't know what my fine is going to be. Are we going to rate rate like him, like him or rate the poems we've read? I just opened it on The Ballad of Barnaby. <laughs> my cousin's name. Ballad of Barnaby Pole. <laughs> um... Well, we normally just give it a score, don't we? I don't think I'm going to try and rate the poems. I don't want to do them individually. That'll take too long. I liked them all. 
I like them all. Probably my least favourite was the one about Post, but that's just because yeah, same. <laughs> it felt a bit more like whimsical and just like, maybe that's not the right word. It didn't feel as... Uh, Deep. It, yeah. It felt like it was written for people to be nostalgic. But yeah. We, but we don't have that. It, if they wrote a poem like that about MySpace, I would like it. <laughs> I feel like it's just whimsical. Look it reminded me of, like of like those kind of songs in the six fifties and sixties that are all about the postman. <laughs> Ernie wasn't he a milkman actually? Who's Ernie? You know the song mm-hmm. Ernie? No. Well, I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> Please. He was the greatest milkman. That's a milkman. Yeah. But yeah, similar like yeah, nostal- nostalgic. But I really liked the other ones. Yeah. But I feel like if I'd have just read them on my own, just like once through, without reading them again and talking to you, I wouldn't yeah. have got as much I've out of them. I've actually really enjoyed yeah. this. Like, I've been surprised that, I mean, obviously, like, it's probably not very interesting to listen to. Be, yeah, I don't think it's going to be as interesting to listen to, unless, unless our listeners actually pause and go and read the poems. I, I feel th- like they need to do that. With books, you can just listen and not read it. I but. feel like we should ask for feedback. Yeah. from our listeners to be like would it be better if we do poetry in the future would it be better to read the poem out in full yeah because maybe we did essentially like we just picked and choose do that lines. but did that but just for, for, for this one they should pause it and read the poem but yeah i really i think maybe poetry is kind of nice to like read read but then talk about yeah maybe we should even if we don't do it as a podcast episode maybe we should hang out and read poems together yeah I, I honestly I do want to get into poetry yeah. more. Yeah, that would yeah, be good. Yeah, we'll take like one poet at a time. Yeah. Maybe we could do... Oh, no, maybe that'd be too complicated. I was going to say, we always do this like really ambitious stuff when we can barely even get one episode out. I was like, we should do a poetry spin-off. Oh, yeah, like our <laughs> Emily Red spin-off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could do a poetry spin-off. I mean, this basically has been that, right? Like, because it has been different. We, we're not kind of talking about a whole book. We're mm. talking about just taking a selection of poems. But it would be good to have an understanding of, like... I don't think we should make it poets. a spin-off. I think we should just do poetry, do poetry every now and then, yeah. yeah. But we can read poems in between. Because I've read loads of books this year on have my you? own. It's not like we only... Yeah. I've read some really good ones. God. I can barely finish, like... A, a book like a fiction book just because I read textbooks so much yeah <laughs> when did your but, course yeah. finish July <laughs> after that you'll have lots to read yeah so okay well we won't give it a rating then like because that probably doesn't work but should we talk should I just talk yeah about the next book. the next book okay. and we're gonna be we're gonna be um firing out these episodes <laughs> you're gonna say we'll be firing someone <laughs> <laughs> we'll be firing yeah. Jess yeah. because she doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about. Well, no, I was saying we're going to be firing. I was trying to think of like a metaphor, but I couldn't think of anything. But we'll be releasing episodes quite quickly now, I think, because we're just going to read. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what are you trying to say? I'm trying to we're... say that we're we're going to do more than two a year. We're going to be oh, doing yeah, these yeah. more regularly. Yeah. Even though you've got your coursework, so but I, I feel like that's hard to 
No, yeah, yeah, that's true. But at the same time, like, I feel like I'm not really doing much else in my life right now. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm done moving for a while. I feel like yeah. moving, COVID. I don't want to say there's going to be nothing, you know, <laughs> nothing that happens that's going to throw everything up in the air again because I don't want to tempt fate. But, like, I feel like a bit more settled yeah. down. We have had good excuses yeah. for not having done it. Well, like, not physically being able to be in yeah. the same room. But, um, okay, so the next book that we're going to read is my choice, and it's um, called Caliban and the Witch by Sylvia Federici. I guess it's quite... Well, yeah, it's it's a it's a more academic book, I guess, um, which we maybe haven't done for a while. Um, and the thing is called... It's called Caliban and the Witch... Women, the body, and primitive accumulation. Oh, God. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be quite challenging. It's going to be like going back to uni, I think, reading this. <laughs> Although I didn't study this kind of no. thing at uni. It's got pictures in the book. Yeah, but it's also got graphs. <laughs> <gasps> I've already chosen what I'm doing after this, and it will be a, a good change of scene. Oh, really? Do you want to say or not? No. Okay. But... It's meant to be a really funny contemporary novel, so... Cool. No, I, I'm just... This. I'm, same. I'm really interested in, like, witches at the moment. That's very um, on trend, Jess. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's a witch now. <laughs> yeah. But understand... I think it's understanding feminism through that kind of thing. But it's also... It's Marxist, so... It's not annoying feminism. It was written for us, basically. Yeah. Yeah, not annoying <laughs> Okay. Looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Are we signing off? Yeah. Oh, God, one hour and 17 minutes. Wow. This might be a long one. There's quite... Yeah. So well done if you've made it to that yeah. end. Thank you, our five fans. Yeah. That's um, five is bold. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah. Optimistic. Yeah, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.